Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following article is from our February 2000 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction. This is going to be part of our famous Freemason series. And in this episode, we're going to talk about Young Stribling, the People's Champion. At the time of his death, at age 28 in 1933, few athletes were more universally loved and admired than Brother William Lawrence Stribling, Jr., 32nd degree, Valley of Macon, Georgia. Known during his 12-year professional boxing career as Young Stribling, to distinguish him from Pa Stribling, his father and manager, the young man embodied clean living and good sportsmanship. To this day, he still serves as a role model for all athletes. Strib fought a total of 286 recorded bouts, losing only 12. He was knocked out only once, and it was a technical knockout during the final round with Germany's Max Schmeling in 1931. He set records, too, including most fights by a heavyweight. Most fights by a heavyweight in a single year, he fought 55. Most knockouts by a heavyweight, 127. And fewest times knocked out. Champion boxer Jim Corbett called him the best heavyweight fighter for his pounds that ever lived. Setting himself at odds with boxing promoters in the 1920s, Strib decried the violence and cruelty associated with professional boxing, and he saw himself as a scientific pugilist who preferred to win over his opponent on points rather than knockouts. As a boy, he had learned to value other human beings from Pa and Ma Stribling, a devout couple from rural southwest Georgia. Ma was his trainer, donning gloves and sparring with him in the ring. Pa was his manager and promoter. Born in Bainbridge, Georgia, on December 26, 1904, Young Stribling spent most of his childhood in show business with his parents and a younger brother. The Stribling family traveled widely as vaudeville performers with a wholesome family act that included gymnastics and balancing acts and ended with a brief boxing match between four-year-old Strib and his two-year-old brother Baby Stribling. The act lasted several years and was so popular that it took the family through 38 foreign countries before they settled in Macon, Georgia prior to World War I. Backstage between the acts, the Stribblings read the Bible together and prayed before each performance. Just as Strib later prayed before each fight when he became a professional boxer. Regardless of where the family performed, they always went to church on Sunday and refused any physical training on the Lord's Day. Strib attended Macon's Lanier High School, where he excelled as a forward on the basketball team that won the state championship in 1922. At the same time, he gained attention from the media as an outstanding boxer, beginning with his first professional fight at age 16 in Atlanta. While still in high school, he fought 75 professional bouts. After gaining favorable media attention for his first major fight, a bout which he tied with champion Mike McTeague from Ireland, Strib was besieged by offers to box all over the United States, Europe, South America, and Africa. People wanted to see the young prodigy of the boxing ring in person during those days before television. 
Strib's most successful year was 1925, when the family purchased a bus and toured coast to coast to give fans in smaller towns an opportunity to see a popular boxer in exhibition bouts. Pa sometimes pitted him against the local champion, offering $10, a substantive amount at that time, to anyone who could beat his son. Strib fought 33 matches that year. Moreover, the tour did much to popularize the sport, and it helped establish the athlete's reputation for clean sportsmanship and wholesome living. He never drank or smoked, and he was always careful about what he went into his body. Another cross-country tour in 1927, this time without the bus, resulted in his winning 57 straight fights with only one draw and one loss. He fought 38 bouts in 1928, winning all but two by a knockout. He ended the tour by knocking out three different opponents within four days in three different cities, no opponent lasting more than two rounds. Macon loved the Stribling family and honored Strib with a parade after every major fight. In turn, Strib established himself as a valuable citizen. As a professional boxer, Strib usually trained on the family farm in O'Clockney near Thomasville, Georgia. There, on November 17, 1927, he was raised a master mason at O'Clockney Lodge No. 117, now defunct. And back in Macon, on December 7, 1928, he became a 32nd degree Scottish Rite Mason. He was created a Shriner of Macon's Al Siha Temple on May 23, 1929. During the peak of his career, Strib flew his own airplane to flights around the country and served as a lieutenant in the Air Force Reserve, taught Sunday school for athletes at Macon's Mulberry Street Methodist Church, and worshipped at Vineville Baptist Church, where he was a member. Incredibly handsome and personally appealing, the six-foot-tall, blue-eyed, brown-haired youth received offers to model clothes for major companies and to appear on a Broadway stage. He received numerous gifts from admirers, including a motorcycle on which he often had a rider, his mother. Big-name fighters had their photos made with him, including heavyweight champion Jack Dempsey, who later became one of his best friends. By 1926, Strib's success as a boxer had earned him over a million dollars, and there was more to come. Strib celebrated his 21st birthday by marrying Clara Kinney, a student at Breno College. Clara's father was a prominent Macon businessman, and her mother was the first woman to serve on the city council. Clara's grandfather was a former president of Wesleyan College in Macon, the oldest female college in America. Strib and Clara had three children. Although he lost his championship bid in the fight against world champion Jack Sharkey at Miami Beach in 1929, Strib, at 23, had fought more professional rounds than any other fighter in history, had knocked out more opponents, and had compiled other records as well. Later, in 1929, Strib made his first European tour, where he lost by a foul to a future world heavyweight champion in London, and a month later defeated him in Paris in a rematch. Later, in 1930, he made a second European tour, and this time defeated the champions of Germany, Great Britain, Italy, and Belgium. Back in the United States, while nursing a broken left hand, he defeated their heavyweight champion of Norway. Strib missed his one great chance to become heavyweight champion of the world when he lost to Max Schmeling on July 3, 1931 on a technical knockout in the last 14 seconds of the 15th round. It was the first major fight to be broadcast live over national radio. When the fight ended, Strib went to shake hands with Schmeling, who, although swarmed by photographers, insisted on being photographed with Strib. During the spring of 1932, Strib went on a boxing tour to Australia, accompanied by his wife and children, 
and in the fall they sailed to Johannesburg, South Africa, where he defeated the heavyweight champion of that country before a record crowd of 15,000. Early in 1933, Strib returned to Paris to beat again the champion of Belgium in a rematch. One night in Atlanta, Strib rose from his ringside seat and threw in the towel to stop a young boxer's brutal beating by an experienced opponent. The news reporter who witnessed the incident later wrote, To me, this one incident did more to reveal the true character and instinct of young Stribling than anything else. The instinct of a Christian gentleman who abhorred brutality, whether at his expense or at the expense of a foe. Strib died on October 3, 1933, at age 28, as a result of an accident in which a passing automobile struck his motorcycle on the outskirts of Macon while the champ was on his way to visit Clara and their 11-day-old son at Macon Hospital. Telegrams expressing concern and sympathy arrived from all over the world. On the day of his funeral, though his body lay in state at the Macon Auditorium as 25,000 people filed past to catch a last glimpse of their hero. All 5,000 seats of the auditorium were filled for the funeral, according to Macon Scottish Rite Secretary H.G. Hollingsworth, who attended. At the funeral, this great boxer's pastor said, The gift of youth is our greatest gift, and no finer example ever walked the streets of this or any other city than young Stribling. Hundreds who could not find a seat stood on the streets adjoining the auditorium and waited reverently for the coffin to emerge, followed by the family. Late in the afternoon, 10,000 people crowded the graveside in Riverside Cemetery to witness the committal service. The National Guard and the Air Force Reserve, in which Strib was a lieutenant, rendered military honors. According to Jimmy Jones, his biographer and former sports editor of the Macon Telegraph, who covered over a hundred of Strib's bouts, what made Strib different from other boxers was his exemplary conduct, both in the ring and out, and a strict code of ethics, flawless character, self-discipline, modesty, a Christian attitude towards opponents, and the highest degree of sportsmanship. Although Strib never held a championship title, he defeated champions, and he elevated the sport of boxing in America. Throughout his brief life, young Stribling embodied the highest ideals of Freemasonry. For multitudes who remember him, and for many who know him only by reputation, he is always a hero and the people's champion. The following article is from the International Boxing Hall of Fame website. Young Stribling Young Stribling knocked out 125 opponents, setting a record that only Archie Moore topped. Stribling failed to win a championship, but his career was still going strong when he died in a motorcycle accident at the age of 28. Stribling's mother, a vaudeville acrobat, claimed she wanted him to be a boxer from the time he was a baby. When he was six weeks old, I started rolling him around the bed just as you would a lump of dough. When he was two years old, I started him on leg and arm exercises, she later told an interviewer. Stribling's parents put him and his kid brother in their vaudeville act as junior boxers. When the family retired from the stage, they settled in Macon, where Stribling got formal boxing instruction at the YMCA. His first professional bout was a four-round decision in 1921 over a tough Atlanta newsboy named Kid Dome. A bantamweight at age 16, Stribling added bulk steadily. He fought successively as a middleweight in the Atlanta area, and then in 1923 gained the national attention when he was matched in a non-title bout with light heavyweight champion Mike McTeague. Their first fight ended in a hotly contested draw. When the two met again six months later, Stribling knocked McTeague down in the 10th round, but New Jersey boxing regulations stipulated that only a knockout could be counted as a victory. Stribling had to be content with a newspaper win granted by ringside reporters. 
For all but a brief period, Stribling was managed by his father. His mother, Ma Stribling, handled much of her son's training. Stribling beat Hall of Famer Tommy Loughran twice in 1924 and was second in the ring's rankings of light heavyweight contenders that year. He would remain in the ring's top 10 rankings as either a light heavy or a heavyweight through 1931. The magazine ranked him as a top heavyweight in 1928. A 1926 title bout with light heavyweight champion Paul Berlinbach was a disappointment for Stribling, who had overtrained and tired badly in the later rounds. He scored a string of knockouts in 1928, however, and the next year faced heavyweight Jack Sharkey. Sharkey was staggered by a right to the heart, but when Stribling failed to follow up with more punches, Sharkey recovered. Later, Sharkey said, Had our positions been reversed, I could, in fact, I would have murdered him. Jim Corbett considered Stribling the best fainter he ever saw, but lamented Stribling's unwillingness to follow up with a solid punch. However, Stribling recorded over 100 knockouts using his buckshot punch, a right to the jaw, followed by a right-left feint. Stribling got another chance at a title when he fought heavyweight champion Max Schmeling in 1931. Stribling was reeling by the 10th round and was knocked down in the 15th. Referee George Blake stopped the fight with just 14 seconds left in the final round. Again, it was speculated that Stribling had overtrained. Stribling's last fight was a win over Maxie Rosenblum in 1933. In October of that year, Stribling was struck by a car while riding his motorcycle home from a round of golf. He died in a hospital two days later. The following article is from the New Georgia Encyclopedia website. It's titled Young Stribling, 1904-1933. Macon resident Young Stribling was a leading boxer in the heavyweight division during the late 1920s and early 1930s. He was defeated in several world title bouts, most notably against the German fighter Max Schmeling in 1931. William Lawrence Young Stribling Jr., was born in Bainbridge on December 26, 1904, to Lily Braswell and William Lawrence Stribling. He grew up on the road as part of the Four Novelty Grahams, a traveling vaudeville company consisting of Stribling, his parents, and his brother Herbert. As part of their act, the two children fought each other in oversized gloves while their father acted as referee. As he grew older, Stribling began to take on all comers from the audience. At age 16, he had his first professional fight in Atlanta. Over the next nine years, he moved through seven weight divisions before settling as a heavyweight in 1929. An 18,000-mile barnstorming tour across the country in 1925 earned Stribling the moniker King of the Cane Breaks. Writer Damon Runyon invented the nickname to reflect Stribling's popularity in rural areas. He didn't limit himself to visiting rural areas, however. In one publicity stunt, he flew a plane over New York City and circled the Empire State Building. Loved across Georgia, Stribling was an exemplary citizen, serving as an elk, a Kiwanian, a mason, and a Bible class teacher who worked with disadvantaged children. He was also a lieutenant in the Army Reserve Air Corps and flew his own airplane to flights across the country. Black Georgians, though, were less sympathetic to Stribling given his refusal to face African-American fighters. Despite a career record of 221 wins that included 125 knockouts, a record later broken by Archie Moore, and an armory of punches, including the Stribling shift, Stribling never fulfilled his potential as a fighter. Experts from outside Georgia believe that his father was a poor manager and arranged too many bouts for his son. Indeed, Stribling participated in 285 professional fights in 12 years, often appearing outside the United States. 
Walk Miller, the manager of Tiger Flowers, also failed to improve Stribling's performances, however. Sinek suggested that the handsome pugilist was better suited for Broadway roles. Stribling was killed in a motorcycle accident at the age of 28 on October 3, 1933. He was on the way to visit his wife and baby son in a Macon hospital when a car hit his motorcycle. According to sports writer Paul Gallico, Stribling was afraid of nothing that rolled on wheels or flew on wings, but was a coward in the ring. Ralph McGill's obituary in the Atlanta Constitution was much kinder, stating that Georgia had taken this great young man to her heart, not realizing herself what a place he held in her heart until he was gone. Stribling's funeral in Macon further reflected the scale of his support. 25,000 mourners walked past his coffin in the town's auditorium, and another 10,000 attended the service at Riverside Cemetery. Messages of condolence came from the likes of wealthy New York entrepreneur Cornelius Vanderbilt, golfer Bobby Jones, and Georgia Governor Eugene Talmage. A year later, a group of prominent boxers, including famed Italian pugilist Primo Carnera, attended a memorial service for Stribling and Macon. Stribling was inducted into the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame in 1965 and the International Boxing Hall of Fame in Canastota, New York, in 1966. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.